0: Welcome to That Moto Show, Dirt Bike TV's Jay Clark and producer Donnie Bales. Okay, welcome to That Moto Show. This is episode number two, and we are a tech podcast, is what we're kind of trying to do, and stay with what what I know the most. I get the, a lot of questions from guys, and if you want to ask your own questions, you simply email me. You can do that off of our site uh, easily, uh, Linktree, all that kind of stuff. You can email me. It's pretty easy to to figure that out. So if you email us, we'll answer your questions, and we have a bunch of questions ready to go this time. Uh, Donnie Bales is... Uh, Producing this and he's raised up the production level for this
1: show, which is really nice. We get some better lighting. We're working on little things. So what, what do you think, Donnie? Yeah, yeah. I, I love the first show. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm only upping the production level because you made me.
0: Okay. I, from what I understand, that first episode was seen by 1.2 million people. Wow. Yeah. There's no fact checking going on here like just like in yeah. the political situation. So, right. we don't have to worry about that. But anyway, it was a good time and I've gotten a lot of good comments. I already got a few of the questions today are from based people replying back with that. So, so that part's pretty cool. So, people uh, seem to like it. So, we'll kind of keep doing this as long as people think it's cool. Yeah. Sounds good. So, uh, and if this should come out before Christmas, so everybody, Merry Christmas. All right, Donnie.
1: You get us going with some questions. Yeah, all right. We, uh, we got some here for sure. Uh, Austin Gray wants to know where to trail ride.
0: But you didn't get all the questions.
1: Well, I said where to trail ride, and, and he says Utah. In Utah.
0: So, hey, okay, so I get that question a lot. And one of the best ways that Spencer and I got started trail riding in Utah was simply there's a website out there called dirtbikeutah.net and uh, the guy, David, is the guy that runs it. He's a great guy, and he also sells Thumper Jockey uh, helmet lights and bike lights. He has different lighting, which is cool. If you go to his site, he's got some good setups there. Um, But he's done an amazing job of going all around Utah and making some great in-depth notes. He has videos, he has coordinates, he has routes. This is the best way. If you're gonna come out to Utah to visit, whether, and it's broken up into mountains, which would be, you know, Late June, early July through the fall, uh, mountains riding, and then he's breaking out and then he's got desert riding, which would be central, you know, Moab down to St. George. He's got all that stuff broken out and he does a great job. And that's how we started figuring out Utah, it was simply through his site. And that's how we got started. So if you're going to ride in Utah, you check out that site for sure.
1: Yeah, th- th- that is definitely some of the best
0: stuff I've ever been in my life. <laughs> yeah. you, Donnie's gone on a couple trips with us to Utah, um, more in the central. We went to Moab area, Green River, and the last one was that Swing Arm City, yeah. and then down in St. George as well, and Tokerville, just yep. amazing stuff. It, huh?
1: it, it's unparalleled for yeah. sure. Derek, any chance you know where I can get an RC valve front cable holder For my 04 CR125R. Okay, so on these older bikes, a lot of guys are fixing up these older
0: two-strokes, say in the mid-90s to mid-2000s. There's a lot of stuff that's just not available. It's kind of surprising. But a a cable for the, the RC valve on those bikes and then the holder, those little things like that are becoming very difficult to find. So here's the tips on how to find those products. First thing you do is find the part number. Put the part number into Google with Honda behind it and search and it'll chances are many times it can come up on eBay. So that's the first place you're gonna do is look at it and see if you can find it on eBay, find the part that way. The other thing you can do is give that part number to your Honda shop. If they're on lightspeed, they can check if any dealers throughout the country maybe have it hidden away. I've, I just bought a needle for a KX125 that way. I bought it from a shop in New Jersey. Uh, a, a needle. And um, it's on the way to me. I just bought it the other day, paid full price. I was like, okay, but no other needle for 2000 KX125 with that needle. And so that's how I, that's how I found it. Uh, Buzz at ECC looked it up for me and he sent me the shop with their phone number. I called them up and they had
1: it and they were real nice and got it. It's on the way. So that's a nice thing about the moto community, but it really does want to help.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and they could have upcharged me. I mean, if they, you know, I've had that happen. I've had some shops, I've done this a few times, and some shops have helped me out. It's been really cool getting those old parts like that. So, that's what I would do to first try that. And then, then beyond that, then you got to start looking for guys on, you know, Marketplace or Craigslist, looking for guys
1: that are parting out a whole bike. That's what you end up having to do. All right. Well, the next one is actually more of a comment, and now you're getting a, a little direction from some people. Uh, Speed toad uh said uh clark please slow down you talk too fast okay we get that a lot but
0: i you know both of us are pretty busy right yeah so we're just in here getting it done so what i suggest is he listens to the podcast and listens to it at 0.75 it'll slow down and he can just listen to it because i don't think i'm going to slow down what was it on records it was 33 speed and then So many so there's a few podcasts and things that I have listened to, like where they're talking slow. Uh, Ping was doing one, and they were talking a little slow, so I put it on 1.25, and it it wasn't quite chipmunk speed, but it was pretty good, and it helped out. So Speed Toad can just, uh, he can listen to this on the podcast, however he does, which you know, we're on all the platforms
1: now, so he can listen to it there, slow us down, and we'll be good. You have a tendency to want to do everything on an abridged version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anthony E what's the word on honda releasing a new two-stroke any idea when thanks love the show okay well thanks for the good words that's really cool unfortunately i wrote
0: him back on this this was actually today uh, because he commented on the show uh, from last week and so unfortunately i don't see honda making any two strokes i think when a company of that magnitude puts a line in the sand and says we're not making two strokes i don't see them going back on that and that was in 2007 was the last Honda two stroke that I'm aware of, at least in the United States, right? So I'm I'm not aware of anything. And with Honda, you have to remember it's a global company and they sell way more Honda cords and civics and lawnmowers and lawn equipment than anybody else, right? Like than any other dirt bike company, right? Oh, yeah. They they, they don't really, I think, to go and think about making 2000 CR125s or whatever or 250s, they're just like, no. So unfortunately, I think that ship has sailed. I don't, I do not think we will see any. Companies make two-strokes that weren't aren't already making them
1: right now. Who's that guy that put like the KTM 250 into a Honda frame or something?
0: Oh yeah, my, my guy John Murray back in Mass. He like that. that he, he's that's how he's solving the problem. He loves Hondas. He wants to see that that two-stroke engine in a Honda, and so we had a fun time with that build. And it was actually way better bike than we anticipated. Dirt bike loved it, so it was cool.
1: Oh, yeah, it threw me off when I first saw it. Was, yeah. Uh Kevin D was wondering what the best and long-lasting tire for a. 13 KTM SXF 450 30 Plus novice class at Glen Helen. At Glen Helen. Okay. So here's here's I get a tire questions a lot because obviously
0: I work with Dunlop. So I get a lot of tire questions and like what's unfortunately there is no magic tire that's gonna last long and perform extremely well. Okay. You have to pick one or the other typically, or make a compromise. And so Dunlop's gone about it with making an intermediate tire, which would be MX-33, and now they have the new MX-34, which is taking over. So that's kind of the, the target where it's gonna perform the best and last the longest. And if you want something that lasts longer, you know, like a condition like that, where it's gonna be 100 pack and stop, would be an MX-53. Now, we run an MX-14 rear at Glen Helen and a 34, 33 front, but that 30, that 14 rear, it's really good at Glen where It's got sandy sections. Today I was out there and just really holds up the hill and, and works well. So what I tell guys is if there's any way you can find a good used wheel, rear wheel, front tire you are fine. is to have an extra wheel if you can. And a lot of times you can find, and with KTMs, they're the same from like 2000 to now. You can make the wheels work just with different spacers So off of any of the bikes. So I tell guys, get an extra wheel, even if it's an 18-inch wheel, totally fine. Get an extra wheel so you can have your choice of tires, and that'll help you get that performance and, and have tires last
1: longer. Well, KTM, uh, KTM, uh Glen Helen can be funny, though, because in the morning you can have more traction and it doesn't feel like there's a bottom to it, but as the afternoon comes, there's there's definitely a bottom, right? right. And then there's but at least at Glen Helen, there's always a place, a berm or something you can get
0: out to Yeah, a, a section. So that's what's nice. But that's where when it gets those hard pack sections, you want to have that intermediate tire to get through there. And I, I don't ride past noon, as you know,
1: so that solves the problem. When I go with my weekend buddies, they ride all day. Right. Night. <laughs> um, Greg W. wants a full combo on Moose tubes, tubeless steering stabilizers and best mounting for a GoPro. Okay,
0: so first, on our website, if you go to the tires, on our YouTube, if you go to the tire playlist, tire changing playlist, we do have a, and in our Google Doc, we have a conversation where I talk about the pros and cons of all these different types of tire setups. He wants to know if you should run a tube, uh, a moose, or a tubeless, right? And for me, we run tubes most 90% Ninety percent of the time, and we we have run some mooses off road on the rear, uh, just to feel a little safer and it gives you a little more cush. For us, a good quality heavy duty tube, which if you it's in in our Google Doc, you can we can send you. There's there's there there's links to it. You can get a good quality tube installed well, will last extremely well. The tubeless setups uh, we've had some problems where guys we've ridden with they're putting slime in there, having to put um, what do you call that? Fugs in the tire, kind of a hassle and a lot more work. Most of the Baja tours won't let guys ride with a tubeless setup. They're like, you got to run mooses. That's it. And so mooses to me are most important. If you are going really remote, you don't want to risk any chance of a flat or if you're racing or in
1: Baja. So those kind of three things. So you're remote. Baja. I for- got a dumb question. Yeah. First, I've never, ever ridden on a moose. Okay, Do they make a front moose? Yes. And so front mooses,
0: the downside of those is most guys leave them in way too long and they get really soft. You feel like you're riding on a flat tire when you hop on a guy's bike that's got a way too old a moose. So with mooses, one of the downsides is they do take a lot of work to stay on them. Guys that really know mooses and are good at it, they can change them fast and they will actually cut a section of the moose out, make it bigger and cut a little four, three or four inch piece and stuff it in there. And then put it back together, and it'll last them. What are the balls? What are the yeah? So there's companies now making those. That's kind of the same concept. Is they can do that, and as they break down, they get a little smaller. They can go take it off, put a new tire on, and stuff another one in there, and make it more taut, and make it you know add like adding pressure basically to the tire. Yeah. So the the advantage of a moose is you're not going to get a flat. That if you don't take care of it and you need to be riding often. It can't just sit in your garage for three or four months, uh, you know, unridden, all that, the moose lube that's in there, all that stuff's running down. It's going to be dry. It's going to just come off, a lot of times they will just come off the bead, you know, and so that's not good. So I mean, our preference is a tube or a moose and uh, go from there. As far as stabilizers go, we don't run them because we don't ride enough high speed stuff to really matter. We stay we stay away from a lot of that high speed stuff, but there are some good ones out there. Uh, we've used Scotts over the years. I saw another one, on Trevor uh, Stewart's bike today, riding concepts or racing concepts, something really cool looking one. It actually mounts to the bar instead of the triple clamp. It came up and it was really cool the way set up. So, uh, But if you're riding high speed desert or off road, could be a good option for you.
1: What was the last thing he was asking about after? Anyone in, uh, know the uh, best uh, mounting for a GoPro? Oh, uh, I think it's on the chin
0: myself because um which is which is tough but extreme wannabes and they're kind of getting out of it because it's not a huge business for them but on my helmet uh, we'll actually have a car uh, a 3d printed mount that sits on the helmet and these things are awesome and you can put the helmet you can put the gopro leaned back at a nice angle and you can do it vertical for the instagram or turn it horizontal from there sometimes on top of the helmet sometimes you're seeing too much visor and you don't get enough of the rider and bars. This way I have it. You get bars
1: and plenty of track out front. I really like that view from the chin. Have you know, you know how they uh, the AMA outlawed them running it on the helmet? Right. I saw when, because TLD is sponsored by them, they run them they cut a hole in the number, number plate run them behind the number plate right and and that view is not as great as being on the rider right the rider's kind of a better view
0: than the bike i feel like yeah but, i don't think unfortunately, right unfortunately and and there's probably some wisdom in that it's as far as racing at high level the helmet's not designed the reason that ama does that is they don't want a guy taking a hit and I heard that was part of what Schumacher's problem was when he crashed on the snow skiing? Yeah. yeah, that he hit a tree. And that, that could have been part of the problem. We don't know for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. unfortunately, uh, that's, that can
1: happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, unknown has a question um, about the throttle housing. So one side of the housing has a small piece that runs up the bar. It looks like an extra support to me. It's getting in the way of mounting my hand guards. Not sure if it's important or if I can cut it off. They're run it by you first. Okay, so I remember this guy, and
0: and Unknown was actually the name on his email. Oh, nice. Unknown. So it like that's pretty cool. I like that. Unknown. Okay, so what he's talking about is on, I think it's mainly just Hondas. The, on the throttle housing, it'll have a little piece about uh, three quarters to an inch long sticking out what that piece is for, what Honda has it for, is so that you can butt your brake up, your front brake against it, and it has the proper distance. That's the distance they've determined is like a good stock distance. And so that just helps people set up their front brake, to there it you can break it off real easy it's cast uh we've even just put a screwdriver under there and just popped it off it breaks off or you can pull it off and cut it and grind it off right there totally fine and so if you have one of those on a honda which would be even i think those have been on up until they've gotten a starter button over there yeah uh, so you know all the older hondas uh you have to, you can just break that off and you can it'll help you put your hand
1: guards on totally located Do you, you remember that other sport i used to run yeah supermoto had to cut them off. Right. We, we cut them off every time. On the- so you could put those hand shields on. That's it. You would run those little hands. I never even noticed it. Yeah. All right. What's our next one? Okay. Um, Mitchell J. Okay. Says, hey, brother. Really appreciate what you're doing on your channel and your Instagram. Uh, it's a huge help for uh, the normal working dudes. Um, he said he just picked up a 24-250SXF, the first Austrian bike coming from a Yamaha. And I've seen all this stuff on the plastic. Uh, oil pump gears breaking, um, but also saw mixed opinion on if it was being fixed on the twenty third and 24. figured Figure to ask you first. Okay, so so first of all, congrats on a new bike, right? Yeah, so it's always nice good. getting a new bike, and that's a great bike. Um,
0: and coming from the Yamahas, and once there, there's some. Pros and cons to the Austrian bikes, and we have plenty of them. But the the engines themselves are so dang good. But there there is little sporadic things like this oil pump gear, plastic gear that would warp and get a little bit funny. And and once it failed or had a problem, it would actually warp and get and ch- turn up, and there'd be pieces of of that gear would clog up the oil pump, and then it would seize up the engine. So terrible. But as far as the this by twenty one or so twenty. Late 21 range, all the bikes came with the updated gear, and no problems since. And in 23, that new generation motor—it's totally different. Zero chance of problems on the new generation. Now we've had that; those bikes, I haven't heard of a single problem with anything oil pump related on the 23-24 engine at So, great bike. I don't think you have any problem.
1: Going back to my last deal when I was riding Supermoto, I don't remember I had one brake on me, and it blew up the bike. I don't remember that. Oh, you <laughs> oh, fixed it. Okay. But we blew, it blew up because it just ground off one spot of that plastic gear, and it was a Honda. Yeah. So yeah, that
0: was that not was, just KTM. Yeah. So that kind of stuff can happen, and but as far as that new
1: generation bike, that new generation engine, which we love on the 250, 350, you'll have no problems. All right, uh, Brandon B. He says, "Hey Jay, I saw your podcast, and I have a question. I bought a 19 CRF 450 RWE two years ago. I'm assuming not new, right? Right. New 21. Yeah, yeah. And he says it." It didn't have the Works Edition clamps or factory tubes, the uh, nitrate-coated ones. I believe the triple clamps and forks are off the of, uh, 23 CRF250. And he is concerned about the g- geometry on the bike and if it's affecting the way it works. He says he does have the stock shock. Uh, okay, so, so
0: whenever you buy a used bike and somebody's hodgepodge or move stuff around, if you if it's within the same brand, 90% of the time, it's going to be just fine as far as fitments. So you want to check those triple clamps. One of the first things I would do is with the forks off, make sure the triple clamps are sealing correctly and uh, there's no play within the, the bearings. That so they've used the correct races to go with those stem bearings, everything's good in there. When you snug it up, you don't have any play. Everything feels good. There's a proper distance above the top nut when you tighten it up. That everything feels good. The next thing is those forks are not set up for a 450. So the, the, what I would do is take the shock and forks to your suspension guy and have them set them up for that 450. So you'd be a lot better and safer uh, to get going forward.
1: What are, the, are those 20 or 22s, those offset no, on those? I'm not even sure. I don't know. On,
0: on the new bike, but they are, but the, the, you would get the same offset, the 250, and the 250 uses the same frame. So I don't think yeah. there's much of a problem.
1: Yeah. All right. Good. AG Squires, hey Jay, does the uh, rim lock uh, go under or over the tire strip? And on my CRF 450R, um, which hole does the valve stem go in and the rim lock go in? Okay. So, first question is let's talk about that uh,
0: rim lock. On a Honda, they have a big hole for the valve stem. And the reason for that is, is they give you a rubber piece to go over the valve stem to allow the valve stem to be able to move. Okay. And then, so you. I've had guys, first of all, we never take the rim lock off when we change a tire. And and that the only reason the rim lock gets put on the wrong hole is because somebody takes it off when they're changing a tire, but you don't need to do that. I would simply, uh, leave the rim lock on when you change your tires. And we have tons of tire changing videos, of course. So I would leave the rim lock on and simply, uh, leave it in the small hole. So the rim lock goes in the smaller hole of the two. And then as far as the band, it goes. the rubber strap goes over the rim lock when you have a rubber strap. Now, if you have just tape, obviously it just goes right over the top of it and you don't have a strap going over the back of it.
1: How often do you leave the rubber if it's on there compared
0: to taping the wheel? Most of it, because mean, I'm being lazy, I leave it on because I do so many tires and everything. If it was my own wheels, like I would tape them uh, one or two r- laps of Gorilla tape and leave the strap on. It, and, and I know what it's for, but why is the strap there and why are you taping? Okay, so the, it's to keep junk from getting in water and dirt, getting in the spoke area can get, actually get into the tire and get in between the spokes. Okay, then also your 2 can't rub on the heads of the... The spoke nipples, right there, it'll rub on there, and there can be a little nick. And there, most of the time, it's gonna be okay. But a lot of times, there could be a little metal, you know, nick, and it would wear a hole in the tube and be done.
1: Yeah, I've also seen, like, you know, you work the uh, the spoke in, it will poke the tube as way. Well. Oh yeah, exactly. You can go all the way through, if you, you know, if you're if you had a longer diameter there. Yeah, yeah. Length. Hunter M got a question about uh, making the suspension a bit stiffer on my 2024 KLX 230R. Looking for some inverted fork triple clamp setup. Also wanted to get your thoughts on an FMF pipe, maybe uh, to see how that works, either a slip on or a full system. Okay, so
0: I sometimes I'm a dream crusher. Okay, and this is one of those
1: cases where I'm a dream crusher. That bike sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I'm a dream.
0: Okay, KLX 230, right? Yeah. This would be like a TTR. 230, or a uh, Honda has these 150Fs. These are what I call play bikes or beginner bikes. These are great bikes. I don't want to get anybody confused to, to think that I don't think they're good bikes, but they are very good bikes if they stay stock and leave them as they are, or you could just add springs to the stock stuff. That's all I would do. To mess with triple clamps and trying to fit other forks, I just feel like you're throwing a bunch of money. And as Donnie says, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze, right? Like That's that, right. It's a lot of work and money and time. I would keep that bike closer to stock. It's going to be easier to sell. You're going to get better money for it when you're done. You're not going to thrash it. And then just use that for a while while you're learning and beginning, or your your girlfriend or wife is riding it, your kids, and then buy something bigger and better that's, that's designed for what you want to do with it. So it could literally be the same cost to set that up uh-huh. as the bike. Yeah, you could have so much money into it if you do it right, and, and then you have a bike that's still not optimal for the track or trail uh, that you'd be better off with a larger, regular, like a, you know, a, an XCF or a CRF or whatever it is. Right, right. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, why don't we
1: take a break and go uh, over the product spot?
0: Okay. Here. So, our, so the, one of the things we're going to do in every show is focus on two products. And today in my UPS showed up this radiator. This is for our CRF 450 RX 24 and ICW did a really cool thing for us. We wanted to add a fan to this bike, but there was no fans available. So now, if you're on, if you're listening to this in the podcast, you can't see it. But ICW strengthens up radiators. They put some gussets in and some bars to strengthen up the radiator. They weld it all up, and they're they're out of North Carolina. But I did find out that Tusk has a universal uh, fan, and with. <laughs> downside to it is when you buy their fan, it, you, they suggest you have these little bands that go through the radiator, you poke them through. And I have, and I had a reader, uh, a follower who wrote me about the same bike and he told, he rigged his up and I just didn't feel good about, cause we're gonna ride this thing on the track and trail and I want this thing solid mounted. So what ICW did, which was really cool, is they welded on these tabs, two tabs, and I could put in these six millimeter inserts like uh, Honda, same thing has been for years on the, like holding the radiator shroud on to the lower radiator mount. You would have these little six millimeter hex tabs that would go in here. And this thing just fits on here so nice. So Brett at ICW welded this thing on here. And what we did is when we we mocked it up on the bike and kind of marked with a Sharpie where, and I shot a little video that I sent him of how I wanted this thing to fit on here. And as you can see, it fits up here really nicely, just like this.
1: So, pretty cool setup. I'm pretty happy with this. What do you think, Donnie? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually like it. I love seeing like that kind of cut. I really like when those little things, I just, I go back to when bikes were like full-blown factory bikes, and that little kind of thing makes me feel like it's a full work setup. Yeah, so really cool setup. We And with this thing, we can still set the temperature
0: uh, And we, this thing's going to be ridden in some kind of gnarly off-road conditions this uh, this winter and spring, so I want to make sure that this thing is able to cool down. And Spencer's going to be on this thing, and we're, like I said, in the tight stuff, we could be overheating this thing. So it's going to be nice to have this radiator fan on here. And remember, if you're going to shop for Rocky through Rocky Mountain, like say Tusk or anything you're shopping, if you go to our links. It'll be in the description of this video on there. Or if you can go to our website, you can click on Shop Rocky Mountain and you can click through there and we get a tiny little thing, which is nice to help us be able to afford this lavish studio, right? Did you say how much that fan was? I, I think it was like under hundred bucks. I think oh, it, was, yeah. it was cheap. I, I can't remember totally, but it wasn't very much. Right. And maybe maybe 129. I can't remember. But anyway, it wasn't too wasn't too bad. For, the, for, for what you get. What do you think that like the optimum temperature for a lot of bikes think? So we're, we're gonna set this probably around 180. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if it's coming on too much, we might have to go to 190. Cause it, we, don't, we don't, the problem is this bike doesn't make a ton of power. And it's gonna kill the battery. Yeah, it's gonna kill the battery. So we have to watch that as well. So we'll be a little careful on that. So, uh, but, but a great setup. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. All right, what else you got? Well, I think we should, let's get back to a few more you questions. more questions. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Uh, Tegan M. Uh, obviously, he's looking at your uh, current projects you have going on right uh-huh. now. How did you guys get your CR 250 tanks back to white? Okay, so we cheated and just got new ones from uh, Clark Manufacturing. They
0: make stock-size replicas. The white is a little bit off, but it's pretty dang good. I'm pretty happy with them. And, uh, we, you know, Decal Works going to do our graphics anyway, so I'm real, real happy with those Clark tanks on those bikes. They uh, come out pretty nice. Uh, to try and buff and
1: clean on those 30-year-old tanks would just be a nightmare. Yeah, it, it can you can be forever trying to get those come yeah. right mm-hmm. uh loop p Hey, Jay, my stem bearings have gotten stiff and notchy after 10 hours of use on my new bike. I'm pretty sure I've seen you installing an improved water dust cover on uh, YZ on Instagram. I was wondering what that part was and can I upgrade mine uh, to prevent this problem? Okay, yes. Carbon Solutions, the one that made that little cool cover. It has an o-ring to seal that thing. Uh,
0: so they 3D uh, printed that thing. A really cool piece again i go back to if you buy these brand new bikes you need to grease up your stock uh, bearings i know you did on your new bike and on basically every brand they're not greased sufficiently brand new and you shouldn't have a bike with 10 hours that this happens to but it happens unfortunately so i suggest that you uh on a brand new bike take that stuff apart don't put more than a couple hours on it if you're eager to ride it do it but otherwise Do it straight away.
1: Yeah, and this is a universal problem. It's not like one brand or whatever. It depends on if the bike was built on a Friday or a Wednesday. Right, and now some brands are more susceptible to holding, getting water in there. Like I know those
0: Yamas, we seem to see a little bit more problems there. But as far as the grease that comes on them stock, they all kind of suck.
1: Well, also, you know, which, what you preach is once you're washing the bikes to really blow that area off really good, and that will help that as well. Right. So we, we have a good, uh,
0: that brings up a good point on, we have a good bike washing video on our YouTube you can go to find. Um, and because it's not just about washing the bike, you want to get it in the shop, you want to blow that thing off. All the electronics, all those bearing areas, we blow that stuff off. And that makes a huge difference in how long things are going to last. It's not, it's, it, guys think of just washing and power washing and they're done and they put it away wet, man, that's, you got to blow off the chain, blow off all those key
1: components to, it'll, it'll help a ton and the longevity of the bar. For sure. On my, both my bikes, recent bikes, I, maybe less than a half hour and then they were both torn down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm not even going to try, but. Oh, get, get us close. You can spell it for us. Come on, Don. Uh, a Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. okay. Good job. Good. Hey Jay, I hope you and the rest of the family are doing fine. Any thoughts that I'm not aware of on lowering the seat height uh, of a WR450F besides custom seat and a Deval, uh, Deval dog bone? We've already done those. Uh, sorry to say that my brother in lost control last week at a very low sp- speed, and as a result he uh, had multiple foot fractures. And how, how long did he save? Didn't he put it years? Uh, yeah, he said, um, he, well, at first he thinks that uh, the bike being lower would have probably prevented this. And his, he's 57, his brother-in-law, and it's the first injury in 17 years of riding. Okay. Well, actually, I'm wondering if he started riding at 42, which I'm happy about. Right. But either way, <laughs> there's a couple thoughts that go to my head. Is first of all, if I could make a deal and
0: only get hurt every 17 years, I'd probably do it. Right. Right. All right. That's the sad reality. Okay. We're doing something that's dangerous. It's not if, it's when. Yeah. So, unfortunately, if I if I could make a deal with the devil, as they say, and I could go 17 years between uh, serious injuries, I'd probably, unfortunately, sign up. So, because it does, it, it this stuff happens. Now, would the lower bike have saved him? I'm kind of thinking not. Okay. You know, what is just being comfortable in your riding conditions and. Practicing more. I'm guessing a lot of guys that get hurt like this and and have that thought or logic aren't riding enough. So one of the things that helps you is riding more, getting better at it, being more skilled. When I'm off the bike or not at the track or trail for a long time, man, I'm not at home. You know, so uh, I think and that's also a good reason you could pitch your wife or a girlfriend on that you need to ride more is because it needs it's safer the more you ride. Now, people will look at it like the more I ride, the higher chance I have of getting hurt, right? But that's not the case because this is, this is a, a little bit of a skill thing and mindset. So, um, you can say, Hey, Jay said I need to ride more. Yeah, yeah. To help prevent these things. And so I'm not a big fan also of lowering bikes unless you're like 5'4. So people ask how tall I am and I am. I used to be 5'7 and I'm a little smaller than that now because of all the crashes. So I get guys riding me wanting to lower bikes and they're like 5'9 and I'm like, dude. Yeah. Okay.
1: So it, to- it totally changed the geometry of the bike. Yeah, they weren't
0: designed for that. Yeah. And we've tried lower seats. That gets weird because it's really tough to shape the seat. The seats nowadays aren't, there's not much there. So if you cut them down, then you it's really wide where your legs and knees are rubbing, they feel awkward. So I'm not a huge fan of lowering bikes unless you really have to. Yeah. Bring in better shape helps a little bit
1: too. Right, right. So, of things, it doesn't hurt as hard when you fall. Right. And also, uh, you're more flexible. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Parker D. Hey, Jay, longtime fan. Thank you for all the helpful videos you make. Now, I have a 23 CRF 250R and is just looking to get a little bit more power out of it. I currently don't have the money for a full exhaust system, but I've heard removing the backfire screen and drilling holes in the side panel with the extra airflow might help yes so yes for sure
0: especially on 250s and even 350s but 250s for sure they all want more air these things are a little bit corked up so if you can get a little bit more air to them and especially this Honda wants more air that generation bike um, the 450 can as well but it doesn't need them more power like the 250 does so uh, you can yeah you can there's plenty of pictures online if you Google you'll see you know different areas to drill. Um, and we did some last, on last year's bike. It made a big difference in that throttle response, and initial hit, and then removing the backfire screen is an easy little quarter horsepower difference. We've dynoed them over the years, and it does make a difference. It is a little bit better. Uh, I, again, if you, you're not doing something stupid and your bike's running fine, you're not going to backfire and blow up the bike
1: by any means. Would you get an EC? we talked about this last week, but would you get an ECU before you'd get an exhaust?
0: Yes, in most cases. On most bikes, yes. So that,
1: this bike particular?
0: On that bike, that stock, I would
1: probably do the ECU and then, and then do the pipe, the, the slip-on, the yeah. FMF, yeah. Alright, sounds good. Uh, Kenny, uh, from Kenny. Howdy, Jay, which I like how he's, yeah. uh, maybe he's a cowboy. Maybe he's from the south. South, yeah, yeah. Uh, just curious on how long you can expect the battery to last on these bikes.
0: I think these bikes I think he's referring to KTMs but I'm not sure but I maybe just the newer bikes with lithium batteries one of the question one of the problems with these new batteries we are seeing some freak instances I just lost a battery last week and I'm going to test I am going to do a load test on I just figured out I just saw a video from Tokyo off-road showing how to do that cuz I had a battery and it charged I put it on a lithium charger which I actually mentioned in last show put it on a lithium charger charged it up and it's showing like 12.8 volts it's showing strong but I'm not trusting to put it back in the bike. I put a new uh, battery, a test battery back in the bike. So I'm using that right now. So one of the things with these batteries is they can go two or three, four years if they're well maintained, which means they need to be ridden quite often. And there's different procedures. You don't want to wear that battery down. Once it gets worn down a couple of times, it kind of is over. But if, if you don't wear them down, They, they do fine. And so if you live in a cold weather area, I would probably take them out of the bike for winter and you can put them on a lithium charger off and on during your winter time. That's what I would do. Unless you're going to plan on starting the bike once a month or so and letting it run for a while to charge up. I've heard it can take up to three minutes of running to actually charge up the damage you did or wearing it out from starting, you know, so you need to let it run a little bit if you're going to do that to maintain that battery. But these lithium batteries are pretty dang good. They are light. They definitely are not going to last as
1: long as a lead acid battery that's, you know, you know, three times as, as... And these batteries don't... These bikes aren't really charging the battery, right? I mean, they're just kind of maintaining and just a little above. A little charge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not much. So, yeah, so they, they do last well. I I, I
0: like them, and uh, but when they go, they just go. Like, not much warning, typically. There's a lot like... With the lead-acid battery, sometimes you'll get a... Oh, it's slow. Usually, it just goes away, and you
1: can't get nothing. I keep a, a, a battery pack in my uh van a little jumper a jumper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are great to have yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we could have used it on my grom the other day <laughs> we <laughs> had to bump start his grom at glenellan when we were yeah. shooting some bikes the other day I actually let it sit too long right, right. Yeah, yeah the gas smelled like it too so that's a whole nother topic you need yeah, yeah. to drain your gas up we'll let it keep going on that all right all right uh, Richard L has a, a 23 Gas Gas MC 250F and he was wondering if anybody had a lower compression for it. Um, he says, I understand the stock is 14 to 1 and he mo- mainly uses it for trail riding and the engine has too much engine braking and he ends up using the clutch a lot. Uh, he changed the computer, which has been helpful, um, and he understands. I don't know, uh, he's saying the. Uh, Fuel error is 17 to 1, Yeah, but still, it's uh, too much performance for him.
0: So if, if a bike, but and I'm surprised on a 250, he's feeling that, but that bike needs an ECU to accomplish what he's talking about. He doesn't have to change anything internally in the engine. He doesn't need to put a lower compression piston in. I believe with a well-mapped ECU from like like Jamie at Twisted, which I'm like a broken record, right? Like, But with an ECU like that, he could put in a setting with little to no engine braking and less hit real smooth it, and he'd give you a few different choices if you, if you describe that and yes it's kind of expensive but that, that's to me it, spending seven or eight hundred dollars is way better than tearing into an engine to put a piston in to me so that's what I would rather do and uh, so an ECU can be set up specifically for what you're looking for in those cases that's what I'd recommend.
1: Oh, that was the last question actually. Man we just plowed through that. Plowed through them yeah. Okay so p- let's do product
0: number two. Product number two, we got right. white valve shim kits. And so this is new from Ventco. I the owner of Ventco I've known Kurt for a long time, great guy. And he made up a new shim kit that has four sizes in each. And this these this one right here is uh this is what which size do we have here? Oh 7.48. So these would be like most of the 250fs. The Yamaha 250s went a 9.48. So if you're ever going to adjust your valves on uh, whatever bike, you need to have one of these kits before you start. This is a great value. So you have all the correct sizes. Your other option, if you're going to adjust valves, is that you measure everything and then you go to your dealer and pick up the right ones, which they won't have in stock. So then you're going to have to order them and come switch them. So you want a kit like this. If you're going to be doing any, uh, you know, more than one or two bikes, you, you want a valve shim kit and you want to get probably the 7.48, 9.48 for the, all the Japanese bikes, and then there's sizes for the KTM as well. I don't know. I think right now all Denco has is the Japanese sizes right now, so great great product to go along with our other great product we talked about today. so um that's about it man for uh, for episode two and remember to you know send me those questions. you can email us. oh Donnie, what do you got to end us out? What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, uh you know we kind of I started my first one off last week with uh, favorite bikes, but this is kind of um you know you've kind of carved yourself out a niche in this industry. And you always hear people, you know, even friends of mine are always talking about how do I get in the motorcycle industry? And I kind of want you to answer the question of, should you get into the motorcycle industry or should you just enjoy riding your bike? Okay. So, and you and
0: I've talked about this and I did ask Donnie on the H show to give me a question. He goes, do you want to know what it is? And I go, no just surprised me with it. I do like, because the tech questions, I've seen all those and I've answered, I don't want to make people wait to get their answer to their questions. So we're just gonna answer them as soon as you email it in. But a lot of the questions we're getting an email, we figure other people would have that same question as eventually or whatever. So that's why we're answering those questions. So as far as in this industry, I, I've had a, a few different ranges. You can try to talk people out of work in this industry, and they're willing to do it. I mean, back in the day, the the popular race teams uh, in the you know nineties, the mechanics were making you know eighteen to nineteen thousand dollars. Okay, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard of those teams, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're you know you could afford to maybe uh, make a tiny truck payment and live at home, you know, with these that. These guys were driving across the country for to get that, that job. To get that job, right? And we're not going to name the which teams, but we know which ones. And then that pay for mechanics is getting better. But as far as the actual industry, I one of my problems is that a lot of my friends who've worked in the industry, they get into it and they work in the industry and they work there for a while and then they stop riding dirt bikes. They hate dirt bikes after a while because they work with it day in and day out. They end up not riding at the track because- You don't see a mailman walking on his day off. That's exactly right. So you don't see a mailman walking on his day off. So these guys are used to working on dirt bikes all week long. They don't want to be around dirt bikes. They get sick of it. Now, how do I avoid that is my deal is a lot different. I've been able to work from home for 30 years and I've been able to stay actively riding and excited about it and riding moto and moving to trails over the last few years, getting more into some trail riding as well, but I still enjoy it and have not let it fall away. I think once guys let it fall away, they lose the passion and and so i tell a lot of guys unless you find a really good situation within the industry or you're gonna maybe you're gonna give it a few years you're gonna give it a couple few years to work in the industry as a mechanic or whatever it is and then parlay that into something else and work towards another job those good paying jobs are tough to find and so most of the guys that are happy and in the industry do it because they love it, and a lot of times their wife has a good job, so they have a dual income. They're able to pull it off, and that's the guys that I've seen that are pretty happy, you know, staying within the industry. Uh, unless you own your own company, or you know, become a top mechanic for one of the fastest 450 guys, or you become a team manager, those kind—it's of, going to be tough to make a
1: long term. You know, living not to be a bummer either, but this is an entertainment industry, and that as economy goes, it can squeeze jobs out as it goes. And and a lot of the jobs being in Southern California, it's tough. Like,
0: who can afford to nowadays? I couldn't afford to come back as a you know twenty-five year old or whatever. Come live in California. Twenty-year-old or whatever. Come live in California without you know being in a place with three roommates or whatever, right? So it's a tough situation. So you have these jobs. they're out here in Southern California, and it's tough to make a good living. So I tell guys, if I was helping my own son, I'd say, hey, let's try to look outside the industry, find other avenues to where, and also if you can be a bit self-employed, there's some guys, good guys doing photo and video, but that's pretty competitive, right? There's a lot of good guys doing it. It's very competitive. (laughs) Donnie knows because he does a good job at these, and he's not fighting over these guys, and there's guys willing to do something for half or less than half of what he's willing to do it for, so he lets him do it. So, uh, you know, I, I... I tell, I'm mixed on it, you know, as far as what to tell people. But I, overall, I tell people, if you can make a good living outside of this industry and have a path to uh, whether it's being, a you know, moving up in management at whatever company you're going to go do or own your own company, do those things. I say, do that. And you can buy your own dirt
1: bikes and ride on the weekends. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. Longer- think if you're at your job right now, right? We're not talking about, you know, kids getting right out of the house right now. But think if you're at your job right now, if you want to do that on the weekend. Right.
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, if you're, if you're, you know, a mechanic or if you're uh, what whatever job you're doing, right. Um, you're, you're an HVAC guy, right. On the weekend, you don't want to do that. And that's what happens to a lot of moto guys is they're working on bikes all week or whatever. They're a team, team guy, or whatever, and they get sick of it. So it happens. And I've seen it happen over and over. And the majority of mechanics for, especially mechanics don't work, don't ride anymore. And then the majority of just guys in the industry, a lot of them don't ride. And one of the one of the funny things is why guys don't ride, I think, is a loss, a lot of ego too. They're you know, they're around all these cool fast guys. And that's one thing I've not cared that hey, I'm not that fast, you know, who cares, right? Like there's no you know, so I don't care that out there Glenn No, I'm getting passed by a lot of fast guys
1: today, but uh, who cares? Like it doesn't matter and I like hey, I, I looked at our lap times yeah. the other day. I'm not kidding you. There were like four thousands off. So he had a
0: GoPro. I said, "Do a Go, you know, check the GoPro lap to see how close we were in lap times. We're faster <laughs> by four thousand. All right, so not much, not much. Right, and that was wrong. I think on my two fifty F, I'm faster. Okay, so that, All right. I do need to spend some time. I got to spend more time on this three fifty. It's going to take me a while to get. Uh, comfortable doing long. This is the best bike I've ever ridden in my entire life. It, it's incredible. Bike. So Donnie and I both have two 350. We have a new video coming out soon with those two 350s, like so. right, my red one and your orange in one. the better color orange. Yeah. All right. All right. So anyway, so that's, uh, does that help you out on the Yeah. Question? Yeah. That's tough. That's good. I do get that question a lot from guys, especially younger guys. And it's tough to be encouraging to them.
1: Well, Also, you've done something completely different where you basically have carved out your own niche. And that's also going to be very tough because how many of those can you carve out? Right. It's, it's a
0: limited area. And there's been lots of people, I think, who've come in the last 10 or 15 years who've tried to do a lot, a lot of what I do. I know two specific people that tried and they're not doing it anymore. Well, and so it's just, it's, it's tough. And I've been real blessed to be able to do it and I'm grateful for it. And I got some great people like you and, uh, you know, that helped me on stuff and, uh, got some good friends and that, that's been a huge help. So it's, it's pretty nice to be able to do this, do what you love for so long. So, um, I wish I had better word, you know, tell you guys, yeah, yeah, get it, you know, jump in. But
1: I, I hate, I'd hate to mislead somebody. I guess that's what it is. Like, I think it's nice to be realistic. Yeah. Just, it doesn't help anybody right not. And if you look at a job
0: uh, for whatever company and you see that it's going to start at this and you could, you're going to apply, you're going to get this. You have to assume that the most you're ever going to, it's going to take you five years to get a 10% over that. Like, that's the, that's the way this industry works, right? And that's the way most things are right now, unfortunately. So it's going to take a long time to progress without, you know, moving to other companies, which can be difficult as well.
1: I've actually noticed because, you know, we're, I'm friends with somebody that owns a dealership. Yeah. I've actually noticed that pay at dealerships is better than it used to be. It is. I have a good friend, too, who's doing parts. Uh,
0: and he's he's at a you know, parts uh, at a dealership. He's been there a couple years. He's moved right up, and he's kind of managing a certain area. He's doing well. I think we're and talking about the same dealership. Yeah, you know, no, this is a different one. Oh, yeah, okay. this one's south. Your guys north. Oh, yeah. So and and he's doing really well there. So I'm, I'm I've been happy seeing him, uh, and he enjoys it. Yeah. So there is, I think they're realizing that having a good parts guy, and I think and that gets us to a whole other topic of with the Rocky Mountains of the world doing so well as of late, right? It's just easier. So dealerships have realized if we wanna compete, we need to have good parts guys who know what they're doing. The days of having a guy there who just doesn't know anything and orders the wrong part. You know how frustrated you were when you went in to pick up your part And it was the wrong one? Yeah. Because you just wanted to turn the computer around and go, hey, let me look it up. I'll show you what it is. Yeah. Like you wanted to go. So having a good parts guy is awesome. But I know people are making a living at dealership. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So um, I didn't didn't think about that. I was thinking of just the industry within California. No,
1: I was too. But then when I was like, well, if you want to be part of something, you could even be locally.
0: You know, Ooh. and, and you, and you could carve out something and then that could grow into something else where you get yourself at a certain ping. And who, who knows, there's, there's actually some good jobs being, uh, sales reps and DMs for like KTM or Honda, whoever, and, throughout the country in your region. And stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. usually comes from a dealership though. Right. So, yeah. So that's all I got, man. All right, cool. Well, it's been really fun. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Um. We're going to try to keep, uh, keep doing this and we we'll try to have them a couple times a month. I'm happy that everybody's enjoying it. Again, send us those questions if you have them and uh, we'll see you on the tracker trail soon. We work with some great companies and here's a list of those right now. Dunlop motorcycle tires, y piston, Vinco air shocks and dirt bike parts, FMF exhaust, Decal Works graphics, Co-X racing parts, Recluse clutch revolution, Motion Pro Specialty Motorcycle Tools, Works Connection, Uni Filter, Clotz Oil, Kemetic Gasket, MX Plastics, JE Pistons, Cardo Systems, ODI Bars and Grips. And remember, if you shop Rocky Mountain, use our link from our site, Linktree, or link in the description of the videos. Thanks for watching and listening. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.